Welcome to the Marketing Trust Podcast. I am your host, Adam Buchanan. I believe trust must exist before a transaction can take place. I give marketers the tools they need to infuse more trust in their marketing to help grow their business. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Marketing Trust Podcast. I am your host, Adam Buchanan. To you, our guest today, Mr. Tim Hayden, a longtime friend of mine, known him for a while. We've kind of followed each other uh, back you know, online, back and forth, and just recently saw each other in IBM Think. Uh, what do you think of that event, Tim? Well, well, Adam, thanks for having me today. I, you know, I, I, I think that's a we just had a blog post at, at our brain trust partners website on IBM think. And, and honestly, it's amazing to me. Uh, my father years ago worked for Tivoli, which was an IBM company. And, um, it's, it's what we've discussed at brain trust. You know, it's a company that's been amorphous in, in how it approaches the market. And, you, you like IBM is that one technology, one of a, a few, a very few that seems to always be there, even though you don't know it. And what IBM think this year taught me is that, or at least what I observed is that there is a much more collaborative across the business units of IBM. You know, they've, they've got so many different business units, so many different lines of software. They're not as big in the hardware space as they used to be, but where they're going with artificial intelligence and analytics and uh, cloud operations, um, understanding finally that these are teams that need to work together, not just from the IBM side of the table, but for the client side of the table. Um, I, I was really impressed with IBM's stance on on being more of a partner than just a vendor. And I think lastly, what I took away most from it is we're living at a space in a space right now where, uh, you know, there are only a handful of companies that seem to have all of our information. That's maybe we're going to discuss that on the podcast today, but, uh, IBM is one of those companies that, you know, isn't going to go buy a grocery store chain tomorrow. They're not going to all of a sudden be someone who helps you host your web-based business or uh, secure a digital footprint and manage your customer data and then turn around and use it against you. Um, and that's something that uh, Ginny Rometty had said right from the stage one day. And, um, and when, when Chairman Rometty said it, she said, you know, we are your friend. We are not your competition. I felt that everywhere I went during that event. Yeah, that event really was the epitome of collaboration. And I, I know it's cliche, but synergy. Uh, it, it truly was impressive to see all those teams, all those technologies working together. So really a great event and great seeing you there with the Brain Trust team. And, you know, today on the podcast, really want to bring Tim on to really talk about privacy and really talk about, you know, data and what we're seeing here. Tim comes with 20 years of marketing and business leadership experience. Tim has been a founder of New Ventures and a catalyst for transformational progress within some of the world's largest brands. So if anyone you know, can really speak to this, I'm so thankful uh, to you, Tim, to, to join me today to discuss data and privacy, as that's something really kind of in the spotlight right now. 
Um, Tim, you're currently the present co-managing partner of Brain Trust Partners. I think before we dive into the questions here, tell me, tell us a little bit about Brain Trust and what you guys do. Sure, thanks, Adam. Uh, you know, at, at, at Brain Trust, we, you know, we work with Fortune 2000 companies, um, not limited exclusively to companies that would be in that that folder that says Fortune 2000 on it, but. Um, basically helping larger organizations grapple with the opportunities and the challenges that are there to keep up with the speed of customers. Um, and uh, honestly, it is, it is something that a few companies have seemed to be able to do from their outset of their operations, operating from the cloud, uh, capitalizing on that peer-to-peer or direct relationship that you have with customers and so many, so many brands, I would say today, companies that have, whether they're in a B2B context or in a consumer facing situation where they have relationships with customers that maybe they have leased out or um, operated on rented land. It could be as simple as what we've seen recently on uh, going through Facebook to reach a customer, going through Google to reach a customer, or much more physically with retail uh, relationships and other supply chain, value chain relationships um, in terms of owning the customer experience. We're all about helping companies regain that relationship and build a stronger peer-to-peer direct relationship with their customers so they are not threatened with any disintermediation or uh, let's just say faults that may happen along the value chain. And really, this is delivering the ultimate customer experience by fine-tuning each touch point you have with the customer. Is that correct? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more about that today, but it is, it is the expectation of today's consumer, which bleeds over into their everyday work life, which again could be more commercial or B2B uh, labeled. Uh, you know, they expect immediacy. They expect personalization. Um, and I, I say they, we, you know, we collectively today, we expect to get what we want when we want it and when we need it. And um, brands are under the gun today to deliver just that. You know, that brings up something that I think Amazon has set such a, a standard of, you know, prime and getting things quickly. We, we're, we just ordered a paddleboard on Friday morning last week and we're getting into, yeah, you know, doing more lake stuff and kayaking and stuff. And I order it at like nine o'clock in the morning on Amazon. I'm not kidding. The paddleboard showed up at one o'clock the very next day with prime and a paddleboard, by the way, it's an inflatable paddleboard. It's probably 40 pounds. The box is like four feet right. tall. It's, I mean, it's not teeny. It's, we're not talking scotch tape here. And I was just blown away. I was like, man, if I had an expectation for Prime, uh, it just tripled because to get something overnight uh, that large was just uh, impressive, but also kind of scary because I'm like, well, shoot, now I'm going to expect that from now on anytime I see the little the little Prime uh, signature exactly. on, the bottom, on the product. So, um, well, you know, today I want to talk a little bit about data and privacy. I think this is something you absolutely excel in. You know, there's been a lot of spotlight on this. What discussions are you having, 
you know, right now? And what, what are some discussions that you've had for many years leading up to the spotlight in the last few months? Sure. Well, I, you know, it's, um, I, th- I think it's fair to share with the audience that uh, going back almost 12 years now, uh, I have been, well, I am today what I call a recovering mobile strategist um, and have worked in the space of mobile technology, mobile apps, mobile marketing, and that from the outset, uh, understanding how personal that device is, the smartphone, and how it goes everywhere with you. Um, you know, a long time ago, I started to understand that uh, that that device, which you carry in your pocket with you everywhere you go, and I always say when I speak at conferences or um, at a at a conference table with a client, you know, you're lying to me if you tell me you don't take it to the bathroom with you. You you do. Um, that device, every time you open it, you expect any app that you use, any website that you visit, you expect to get that very immediate personalized experience and to find what you're looking for. If you're just searching for something, whether that's content, a recipe, or, or something, uh, uh, an inflatable uh, paddleboard, um, you know, you, you expect to find what you need fairly quickly. And that requires having your customer data unified or at least your systems connected in a way that the same person who has been subscribing to your email newsletter is now searching for you through Google or using your mobile app. Um, They expect that everything you know about them from what they've done, clicking around in your newsletter and clicking through your newsletter to perhaps an e-commerce presence that you would know that whenever they land on your website, that you would know that whenever they start to use your mobile app. So um, for the better part of a decade, I have been urging my clients to not really get into systems integration, but to be able to look at how customer information can be shared by these disparate systems and disparate mediums and means through which the customer experience is held, at least digitally speaking. And, uh, yeah. and to, well, and just real quick, and today um, most companies are not in any better shape than they were a decade ago. So that's, that is still what we're preaching today and, and, and what we're enabling so many of our clients to do is to, is to be able to leverage the power of customer data platforms and unifying data so there's a singular customer record and, and being able to deliver that type of experience. And for some of the listeners we have, you know, some people work for very large companies, some people maybe with small to mid-sized companies. What would you say, you know, are some of the ultimate fears that consumers have around data and privacy? Well, you know, I think everyone um, has been there before where um, there's the, the obvious situation where you receive two emails from the same company and maybe on the same day. And, um, uh, you know, it, it happens to me, I'll use my work address to, uh, log in and get deals from a certain airline. And then I'll use a personal Gmail address to be able to get the same deals sent to that address. I maybe didn't knowingly sign up with two different addresses, but I did. And that company, that airline will send me different deals 
um, a different deal to each address or send me the same deal to each address. And, um, you know, that has me uh, personally, and I would imagine many other people that, that experience this, it has them wondering about how much they really care about me and how much they've gone through the motions of understanding that it's the same iPhone that is looking at these emails um, that are sent to different email addresses. And therefore, um, maybe it's the same person. Um, maybe it's the um, maybe it's the same expectation. And, and that really opens up a whole other can of worms we can talk about. And that is if they're not stewarding the data they have of me better to, um, to delight me more, to, to be more personalized and to be more contextually relevant to me, then it lets me, and it, and it, it leads me to believe that perhaps they're not securing their data in a way they're not they're not tending or governing their data the way that they should and there's all kinds of possibilities that start to fly through my mind there whether that's data breaches or it's a hacker who gets in there and steals my information or it's a misuse of data within the company because um, I happen to have information about me within that company that's in several different databases that just aren't talking to each other. And if, you know, consumers feel that uh, something as simple as an email can't be trusted, then yeah, you know, credit cards, phone numbers, other data and information is, is obviously on the shopping block of, Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, if you can't take care of my email, what else are you possibly misusing? Cause I'm getting, the same email from you, which I think is pretty common. You know, a lot of people have multiple email addresses and I think you bring up a good point. What would you say are some other key touch points in that customer experience? Cause I think email is a big one. You know, it's, it's kind of the main gateway we have with companies of communicate with me, send me information. I'm going to place an order, that type of thing. What are some other key t- touch, touch points that customer have with brands that maybe brands overlook? Well, I think um, we're at an interesting pivot point right now for marketers with GDPR regulations and what just passed in California, which will become the standard here in North America, or at least the United States, uh, for what companies must do to respect privacy and to respect the wants and wishes of customers. Um, with, with that, um, as many marketers know, we've lost our ability to target and retarget with frequency uh, across Google and Facebook, uh, our customers or our prospective customers with, for whom we have information. Um, but I think the other side of that is, uh, you know, Facebook saying that they're no longer going to allow you to use third-party data to create custom audiences or other uh, targeting campaigns within the Facebook network itself. Um, I think that it's, it's not limited to email. It's certainly not limited to email and it, it expands the entire customer experience all the way from, uh, the direct mail room to the information that someone may have when you walk in a store because of a smart Wi-Fi system. You know, I think there's, um, there's a dire need 
for uh, there's there are tons of positives on what companies can do once they get their data in order. Um, but there's what we're talking about here. There is that threat of uh, losing the trust and the confidence of your customers because it is just blatantly obvious that you're not governing your data well across all these disparate touch points. Yeah, you know, one thing as as companies try to overcome this is how do you how do you keep it personal and kind of a one to one approach with customers, but still scale those communications? Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, you know, I I I, th- I think it's what I alluded to earlier. Um, customer data platforms today, um, we've we've for years been operating under the idea that you can build a data lake or a connected system where you've got multiple digital customer touch points that are all connected to a, a single, um, a single spot where a single customer record exists today. Customer data platforms are coming. They're they're being shipped with machine learning in them to be able to reconcile these these very disparate and disconnected sources of customer information to build those single, what I call golden customer records. And, and with that, a, a company could solve a number of headaches that exist in the marketplace today. One is um, they will eliminate some of the redundancy they have. I talked about multiple emails earlier. There's multiple, there's multiple emails. There's, uh, multiple ads that I may see across the Google network or across social media um, that I probably don't need to, to see, or um, I don't, they don't need to be investing as much to reach me because they found me once. Um, they don't need to find me everywhere. Um, there is um, the ability to leverage artificial intelligence and machine learning to gather more insights because now you understand the behavior of a customer when they use your mobile app and you can reconcile that with all of the rich social data you may have access and still have access to today to understand that customer or what customers who look like this person. If we want to talk about segmentation and uh, archetypes, not so much personas, but being able to understand the lookalike segments that that customer would belong to and what their behaviors are. And that drives your market message that drives what your customer service team will say whenever they pick up the phone or they engage with someone in chat, it actually enables you to move forward with using technologies like chatbots and other uh, machine learning tools that can better meet the customer's needs 24 hours a day and to use your word to scale that in a way without having to hire hundreds of new um, staff or to invest in more enabling technology because the problem really isn't with the tools you're using right now. It's just in the misuse of the mishandling of data. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I think, you know, as, as so much spotlight has been around these privacy updates, you know, we've seen over the last few months, it's, it's probably quieted down a little bit now but we saw a lot of companies emailing the updated privacy updates and, and it was coming in, you know, multiple times a day for most people. And tell me about that and that approach and tell me, you know, what's your take on that approach with the transparency and, you know, some of these companies, I mean, me personally, I hadn't heard from in months 
And right. so that, you know, I think some people are like, Oh my gosh, I forgot you even had my email. And that really kind of has a bad taste in people's mouth as well. What, what's your take on all the privacy update emails that have come through? You know, I think, um, I think there's a whole lot of CYA that's going on. You know, there's a, there's a lot of folks who are just covering their bases and, and realizing that they've got, um, many different databases, CRM systems, marketing automation tools that they've been using across an organization for some time. And they understand now um, whether or not their customer base is in Europe or not. There are global regulations. And as I said earlier, we now have that which will uh, start to exist in the United States by way of California. Um, uh, You know, real quick on that, you people have been asking me in the last week, they're saying, Hey, so California passed this law. Is that going to affect us here in Texas? And I just look at him and smile. And I say, well, um, the car you drive that you bought here in Texas had to pass California emissions tests. And that's been in place for 20 plus years. Um, you know, if, if it happens on us soil, then you're going to have to, you're going to have to operate across the country that way. And that's played its way out with sales tax. Now it's going to play that way. out. It's going to play its way out with, um, customer data. But, um, no, I think, um, I think a lot of what we we've got happening right now are a combination of, uh, the marketing suite and the technology suites checking a box to say that they're going to adhere to these new, uh, global privacy regulations. I think, um, we are going to see that uh, some companies take it the next level and do what, what I've already stated to um, be able to get smart and to better govern their data. I think so many are still going to try to operate um, tangentially, you know, with, with business units and departments operating on their own accord um, and in siloed, as we say, you know, just not, talking to each other in real time and, and further not sharing data with each other in real time. And they're going to leave themselves susceptible to security risks. And they're going to certainly continue to erode customer trust. If every time they reach out to a customer or most times a customer reaches out to them, um, they don't know who that person is and they don't, they're not delivering a more contextually relevant or personalized experience to them. And I think the companies that have done a really good job, you know, in between those larger privacy update emails is the ones that are staying in touch, right? I mean, the consistency, the, the, the frequent touch points and email is an easy example for this um, because I think it's one that is very high performing, but to the consumer, it is intrusive. I mean, it's like it, you know, it, it's a lot more intrusive than maybe a, a, a Facebook update or, or a tweet, Um but can also be very effective and, and create a really, you know, strong personalization experience, you know, so talk to us about, as we kind of wrap up here, as, as these different privacy things happen and are going to continue to be a spotlight, I think we're probably, you know, only scratching the surface and there's, there's only more to come. Um, how do you think companies can do a better job just communicating in between these larger updates of what they do offer. I mean, how they're an expert in the industry and how to best serve the customer. What would you advise a, a company? You know, I, I usually start off with the simplest of recommendations. And that is um, what I mentioned before is if you're in digital marketing, um, 
do you sit down if, if it's not you, because in smaller organizations, many times it's the same person, but if you are in digital marketing or in digital communications, how often do you sit down and have a cup of coffee with whoever runs direct mail? Um, direct mail marketers have been the most data driven of marketers for decades. And there is nothing but wonderful directional insight that can be gleaned from what they do with direct mail marketing and direct mail campaigns and mail drops as they call them. Uh, there's incredible information that could be learned there as well as that unique opportunity to reconcile someone's customer record from what happens there with what happens in the digital world. So just by mentioning that I have had clients call me back a week later and say, well, I found out who operates direct mail. Uh, unfortunately they're on the other side of the country, but um, we've got a Skype conversation that we now are going to host every other Thursday just to share insights with each other on what's working with marketing messaging. And it's that simple. It's, it's really that simple is to say that, Hey, we're talking to the same customers. We are, you're sending mail to them and I'm, and I'm posting ads. I'm publishing ads to get in front of them. I'm managing our Facebook page and I'm managing our marketing automation suite of tools to send email to them and to be more timely in communicating with them digitally. Um, now we can start to corroborate with each other. Um, in terms of what we see, what we do next, and ultimately how our messages leverage each other. And um, that, again, is something that I think um, is, is, is more analog in practice than it is a digital solution, but it is one of the easiest things that people can do without having to worry about investing in newfangled software or adhering to um, some digital responsibility they have from a customer data standpoint. Um, uh, and, and, uh, I think it's fair to say very, very few times do I, do I suggest that to a client or a prospective client and have them look at me and say, we, we already meet all the time. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, um, you know, That's... and it's, it's what you and I know is people, uh, uh, you and I've talked about this before. People kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater as they move on to the next shiny object. And, um, what they don't understand is that the customer hasn't changed. The customer still opens their mail. The, the customer still walks in the store as well as being the, the person that shows up on a Facebook page or as a, as an open on an email campaign. Yeah, I love that. I, I think the internal collaboration is absolutely key and I've seen a lot of success with that myself. And sometimes some of the best findings are in the places you just wouldn't expect and roles that I've had in the past, I, I've had some of the most effective conversations with human resources. You know, they, they have certain needs that marketing can help with. And, and we start going back and forth and it's incredible what we can kind of learn from each other. So I, I love that. I think that's a great takeaway for listeners who might be in a similar position, trying to learn, trying to, you know, collaborate internally. And uh, no, I, I love that. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining. Uh, before we go, we're going to play a little game I like to call Name That Handle. It is a game that we play with every guest uh, that joins the Marketing Trust podcast. 
So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you one word clues on someone that you are connected with. In this case, it is on Instagram. And so I'm going to give you one word clues. And are you ready? I'm ready. Oh, man, that's good. That's confident. I love that. There's good tone there. I'm I'm excited. (laughs) Okay, here we go. If you can get it in one guess, you might be able to because I, all right, let's just see what happens. All right. First, first clue, smartwatch. Stephanie Wonderland Carls. Oh my goodness. Wow. That was, <laughs> I was wondering what to kick it off with. I was like, oh, I don't know. Nice work. Stephanie Carls, everybody. Stephanie Carls. Stephanie Carls. No one, no one knows more about smartwatches. <laughs> no one knows more about smartwatch fashion. Than Steph Carls. That is absolutely right. And you work with Stephanie Carls at the Brain Trust. Uh, Want to give her a big shout out. I, I met with her at IBM Think as well. Great to connect with her. Follow her on Instagram. She's also on YouTube. She, she's kind of everywhere, but I love her Instagram. She really does a nice job at the highlighted stories. Um, so it's stephanie.carls and Carls is spelled C-A-R-L-S. Love Stephanie. She is uh, super savvy. She is a tech YouTuber, Amazon Live contributor. This is kind of new, actually. It's kind of cool uh, on Amazon. Uh, That's she right. She should go live on like the homepage of Amazon, right? That's right. That's right. Now she's uh, she she does wonderful with video and um, when it comes to gadgets. Uh, that's her specialty with Amazon. Um, way more than smartwatches. Uh, you know, just if you can find her on Twitter or Instagram, uh, just as, as Adam has, has said, I think you'll, uh, you'll be a step ahead of the rest of your friends because you're going to see things before anybody else does. And you're going to get some incredible deals on Amazon. Yeah, she, yeah, she is absolutely in the know. And every once in a while she gets a new car that she gets to test out and drive. And her most recent one was a Lexus ES. I'm telling you, that thing was gorgeous and she is incredible with her photography and videos. So if you love a little automotive candy every now and again, mixed in with some gadgets, Stephanie Carls will bring light and sun rays to your all the things, Instagram. All the things. <laughs> she is just awesome. And just a good all around person. I, I love Stephanie. She's incredibly genuine. So big shout out to her. Hey Tim, thanks so much for joining. Make sure to follow Tim on Twitter at the Tim Hayden. He is always someone, you know, in the know with privacy data and just general business. So definitely connect with him and check out the podcast of Brain Trust Partners. It's called The Difference, where they tackle the simple question, why do some brands thrive, why why others struggle to survive? So Tim, again, appreciate you being here. And thanks for the listeners joining the Marketing Trust Podcast. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me. This has been another episode of the Marketing Trust Podcast, where I help you infuse more trust with your customers to help grow your business. I'm Adam Buchanan, and I want to thank you for listening.